if you will. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going, to keep, we're going to continue going down through this passage here as we're looking at God's glory plan and we're looking at the details here. I realize this I think is number 3, part 3, but uh, really we're going to look at ver- the, the end of verse 16 and, and hopefully, time, if time allows, we'll get into verse 17 as we begin to think about and, and consider the, the, this critical information for what you and I need to understand and have in our inner man as we go here. Verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, we looked last time, that issue, of the moment of the rapture, okay? When the Lord himself shall descend... So we're going to have the Lord, there's a shout, there's a voice, and there's a trump. Then the dead in Christ will rise. Then verse 17, then we which are alive, so now there's an alive, are going to meet the Lord in the air. There's a meeting there. Okay, This will end up being the judgment seat of Christ. We'll spend some time looking at that. So when the day of the of redemption happens, when our gathering together comes together, we're, we're going to have these, the, this activity is what's going to, to the details here. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So there's going to be a meeting here. The shout, the voice, and the, and the trump of God we looked at last time, those three unique sounds, three sounds that are going to conclude the dispensation of grace. The shout, that audible voice that, announce, that announces the conclusion of the dispensation of grace. The silence of heavens are broken. The, the Lord says, it's over. The, the, the dispensation of grace is completed. It's done. Now we're going to move to the issue of the voice of the archangel where Michael is going to stand up and say, now we're going to resume Israel's program. So the shout, the victory shout of it's over, God's now going to speak from heaven again and he's going to be moving and involved in the, the details of humanity on the earth. And the voice of Michael, the archangel is going to be here and he's going to be on the scene And then the trump of God, that mechanism of our resurrection, the first blast to get the dead in Christ up, the second blast to move the the issues of you and I, those that that are alive and remain, and up we go. So when you see that, and that's where we're at to this point, and and I want to look with you at the end of verse 16. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And the issue here, again, in the context is the Thessalonians are worried about their loved ones. And how, how will we ever see our loved ones again? That's really the question that comes up here. And Paul's been answering that. And when he says there that the dead in Christ shall rise first, there's an order here to it. Then verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall... Uh, and remain shall be caught up. If you look at the end of verse 15, uh, uh, um, 
Well, the verse 15, for, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Prevent, hold them back, or go before them. If you're alive and remain when the Lord returns, you're not going to get ahead of the dead in Christ. That, so they have an advantage over those that are alive and remain. And the advantage is, is that they go first. So there's an order here in, in, in these two classes. So we have one class, the dead. We have the second class, the alive. They're first. And when they go, they have to go first because of the process of, of them coming and, and being resurrected as Christ was resurrected. Come back with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. When you and I, when we think about this issue here of the dead shall rise first, and then we're going to look here about what's happening at, at that resurrection, so we're going to spend a lot of time here in a minute in 1 Corinthians 15. But look at Romans 6 and verse number 3 with me. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. So we have this identification with his death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That issue of not only do we have an identification with his death burial, but also with his resurrection that like as Christ was raised up from the dead. How was Christ raised up? Well, he was raised up a little different than what he was before when he was laid. Philippians, we'll look over at Philippians 3 here, that he's going to change our vile body and fashion it like his glorious body. So like, again, that like and as and like and so, like he was, as and so, like he was raised, we have to be raised as well. Now, I know it says also should walk in the newness of life, but what is resurrection? A newness of life. That's what it is. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So when you come back over to 1 Corinthians 15 now, when you think about this issue of resurrection, the dead have to come down and be first because they have to leave the third heaven up here, come down, and then come back up and join us in the reunion meeting there and be caught up. So there's some movement there. Now, it's happening in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This is happening fast. So it's not like, okay, we got to wait here. Hang on. Okay, now we can go. It's not happening on a time, schedule, on a time clock. It's happening at, at a, in a twinkling of an eye. It's moving so when you, that's why you got to have this information in you. Who's the first one up? Those that are dead in Christ. Okay? That's why I always remember the time I heard uh, the gentleman from Shorewood there, Ralph Balog, he would go by the casket and just say, lucky stiff. You lucky stiff. Why? Because he knew, now, now Ralph's dead and with the Lord, <laughs> Mr. Balog is, he knew that who was going up first. Who has the advantage? 
the dead in Christ do. And, and there's a reason why, because they have to move and be, because we have that co-ness that is there. Now, look, if you will, at 1 Corinthians 15 with me. <clears throat> and look over with me at verse number 12. Because 1 Corinthians 15, the issue in the 1 Corinthians 15 is the issue of the resurrection of Christ. Verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ when he raised not up, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are Notice, perished. If this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep? The question is about the resurrection of the dead. Verse 21, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even as so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, whom he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So the resurrection is a demonstration of the destruction of death. That's why at the end, he's going to say, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The last enemy is death. Now, the question then comes about death and, and, what, and resurrection is the issue down there about what, what do they look like? <laughs> What's going on with them? Verse number 35. But some men say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Okay, you're going to, that, that's the question. You're talking about God raising the dead, okay? What are they going to look, what body are they going to have? Now, Paul is going to use a rather extensive amount of verses to here to say, duh, look around you. Okay, <laughs> he really does. But we're going to go through it. Verse 36. Thou fool. See, I told you. Duh. You know. Pulled the old Homer. Do. You know. On you. Thou fool. That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. The they're, they're, they're going to question the issue of resurrection and, and the body. And Paul, again, is going to bring in some illustrations here that it's really quite simple. Look around you. Verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. 
But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. So there's going to be an illustration here of sowing, and then what, what are we going to reap? What's it raised in? Okay? So there's going to be, what you're going to put, he's going to use an illustration here. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beast, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are different kinds of flesh here. And again, this is a thou fool, duh, look around, what are you worried about? Why is this such an issue, Corinth? Why is this such an issue, members of the body of Christ? Verse 40, there are celestial bodies, heavenly bodies, and bodies terrestrial, earthy, earthly. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star different from another star in glory. Different realms of glory, by the way. The sun burns bright all the time. The moon is the lesser of the light to rule the night, if you remember Genesis. The, the sun, the moon, they're different. Verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. So, what else, so what's going to be about the issue here of the resurrection of the dead? It's going to be different. There's going to be some different things here. It is sown in corruption. When we lay them in the grave, what is it? It's corrupted, isn't it? They're corrupt. Verse 40, it is raised in what? Incorruption. Somebody said they couldn't read my writing, and I guess I know why. <laughs> it's the chalk's fault. <laughs> okay? It's sown. Corrupt, it's raised in corruption. What happens when you put your body in the ground? It goes back to the dust, doesn't it? The worms get it. So then, so it pulls on corruption. But it's going to be raised in what? In corruption, perfect. Verse 43. It is sown in dishonor. Isn't that interesting? Dishonor. It's raised in what? Honor, glory, isn't it? Hey, we have a glorious body coming up. It is sown in weakness. What did it do? It dead. It's weak. It's raised in what? Power. Strength. So you have power. You have strength. When we laid my father-in-law, he was weak. He looked frail. Man, when, when Linda's grandmother passed away, she was frail looking. Even laid in the coffin. Frail, weak. But one day be raised in strength and in power. Sown in corruption back to the dirt. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Notice, sown corruption, put back in the dirt, raised in corruption. 
never to die again. Sown in dishonor, problems, mars. You know, all, you know, you look at them, first time I ever really remember seeing a, a coffin with a dead person, it was, I was shocked by how wrinkly they were. You know, dishonor, weak, raised in glory. No strength, power, strength. Natural, I, I, sown a natural body. Natural. Able to interact with this world, function in our realm. But then it's raised a what? A spiritual body, right? Now we're going to move in a different realm. Now we're going to move and be able to function in the heavenly places. So you see, you've got this contrast going on where Paul says, wait a minute, guys, you understand this. You know perfectly, you take that, that seed... We found an envelope with seeds in it. We didn't know what they were because we didn't write the name on. So we went and planted them in the dirt, and I believe they were weed seeds because only weeds came up. Linda's like, no, that looks like something else, like coriander, you know, um, cilantro. And I'm like, I don't think so. Guess what it was? Cilantro. Looked like a weed to me. I'm like, whack her down, you know, <laughs> spray. No, it was some. It had a body of a little seed, but it came up a flower. Verse 45. So, and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. First Adam was made a living soul. The second Adam and I'm sorry, and the, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So now we've got a second Adam, the last Adam over here, don't we? We've got a contrast going on. Verse 46, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. So the first Adam is natural, Go back up. And the second Adam is spiritual. There's a contrast being laid here. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is what? He's of, the second man is the Lord from heaven. When you and I are resurrected, where are we going? We're going to the heavenly places. We're going to heaven. Verse 48, as the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as it is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Folks, we're born in the image of Adam here on the earth. One day we're going to be raised up in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, the heavenly. And we're going to be transformed. We're going to be moved over. We're going to be changed into Fashion like his glorious body. Verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Just like the earth, we have the heavenly, a body that's going to function out over here in the heavenly places. 
And what begins to happen is he says, hey, man, the first, the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know what they're going to do? They have gone through this sowing process. They've gone through this corrupt and dishonorable and weak and b- process. They're going to be raised in this process. Now come over with me to Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. So when we talk about bodies and the dead in Christ shall rise first, they're in this condition waiting to be raised. They're going to come out because Romans 6 says we have, like as Christ was raised, so shall we also. We're going to have the same thing happen to you and I. Now notice Philippians 3, the last two verses of the chapter, verse 20 and 21. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When he says conversation there, he's not talking about your speech. He's talking about your life. We're, we're, our fo- set your affections on things above. That's what he's talking about, our focus. Because you can have a conversation, 1 Peter 3 says, without ever speaking a word. It's your life, what you're doing. He says, our focus is on the heavenly. We're looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, who's doing all this changing? The Lord Jesus Christ is. Who shall change our, notice, vile body. Vile. (laughs) There it is. Our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Several things going on there that you have to notice carefully here and notice because they're important. First of all, he's going to literally reshape our humanity. He's going to take our humanity and he's going to reshape it into a new species of humanity. That is why we're called a new creature, a new man. We are not going to be connected to Adam or the earth at all. We're now going to be connected with a new humanity with a future in the heavenly places. Then he says he's going to fashion it like his glorious body. Now, come back with me to John. Hold on to Philippians. Come back to John chapter 20. When he says this, he's not talking about looking like him. In other words, we all look like a a Jewish man running around with long hair and Goldilocks and all this stuff that religion says. We're not going to look like, it's not going to be a bunch of Jesuses running around. Rather, he's talking about after his resurrection, our body is going to be able to function like his did. Before Calvary, his body was not glorious. It was stuck to the earth. It was earthy. He couldn't get up and go down and move and do. Now, he he could because he's God, but in his humanity, he could not do that. He's stuck to the earth. So when he says fashion like his glorious body, John 20, notice, if you will, at verse 11. Just notice some things here. John, John 20, 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, 
the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, the gardener. Uh, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. One word he says to her. She turned to him herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I have ascended unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that, uh, that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things. Notice Mary. She doesn't recognize him until he says something. Mary. And then she does. But notice she can't touch him. He hasn't ascended to the Father. He hasn't literally gone up to the third heaven into the throne room and performed the deeds of what Hebrews calls the acts of the, the priest of, the, of Melchizedek. He, ha, he hasn't finished out Israel's sacrifice schedule yet. He goes and he does that. Verse 19. So she doesn't recognize him, and then she does recognize him. So a part of that, and, and then she can't touch him. A part of that that's inter interesting is that she then does recognize him. Even in the condition where she can't hug him and touch him, she still recognized who he was. Verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Boo! <laughs> that's me. Peace be unto you. Now think about it. They are in lockdown. They're fearing the Jews, the religious people, the religious crowd. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his sides. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and, and said unto them, Receive the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Now, first of all, they're in lockdown. He shows up in the midst. Could you imagine being Peter going, Okay, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven, ten? Because Thomas isn't there. Peter's 10. Why do I have 11 of you? There should only be 10. Who's, who's, who's in here? <laughs> and then the Lord, but the Lord says what? Now, what was he able to do in his resurrected body? Move right through the, the lockdown walls. He was able to come through. He will tell him over in Luke, you got anything to eat? But you got something to eat. They feed him. 
and he eats. He goes now to, to Thomas, verse 26. And after eight days, okay, so day one, first day of the day of resurrection, he appears to Mary. She doesn't recognize him. He says, calls her by name. She recognizes him. He says, don't touch me. He goes off to the Father about two, two and a half, maybe three hours later, comes back, walks through the wall, and shows up to the apostles and says, peace be unto you. Thomas is not there. Eight days later now, he shows up again. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Again, the doors locked down. And again, what does he do? Walks right through the wall. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto the Lord, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Look at that. There's, there's a new body. There's no barriers. There's no limits. He's able to move from one realm into the another realm. Now, to go from outside of that block wall to inside the block wall means that there's some physics stuff going on there that has now been changed. New. A new body. Come over and look at Luke. Look at Luke 24. Luke chapter 24. And go back to 1 Corinthians 15. So you get 1 Corinthians 15... And Luke chapter 24. In Luke 15, um, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruptions. You know what? Right now our bodies can't do any of this stuff that the Lord's body can do after his resurrection. We can't, if we try to walk through that wall, we're going to hurt ourselves. Okay? Magic will throw up a facade so you can get through the wall. This is, none of this is magic. Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 36. Luke 24, verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affright, supposing that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled, and why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, handle me, and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye have seen me. Notice, what is his physical appearance? It is flesh and bones. A spirit, Casper the ghost, doesn't have that. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. I have... I, there has been a transformation of his physical makeup into a body, a spiritual body that can exist in both realms. He has moved, go back to Philippians 3, from 
earthy to heavenly. He has moved from being over here to where he's stuck in a, in a desperate situation to now being raised and honor and glory, having power and strength and able to function in all the realms. I hope you catch that. Philippians chapter 3 again. Notice again here verse 21. Because the end of the verse in this, in verse 21, is what's critical and why we're even looking at all of this in our study. Who shall change our vile body. There's 1 Corinthians 15. He's going to give us a new body. We were sown this way. We're going to be raised this way. We're sown in all of this dishonor and weakness and stuck to the earth. We're going to be raised in honor and power and glory. We're going to have corruption. We're going to put on incorruption. We're going to be raised up that way. We're going to have a glorious body. By the way, the glorious body. Uh, hold on to Philippians 3. Run over to Matthew 17. What does that look like? Matthew 17. When he talks about his glorious body. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus take Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. He's transfigured. He, he's, he's changed, isn't he? He takes on his glorious body. He takes on his glory. They saw his glorified humanity is what they saw. His face is as the sun. Now, the sun is different than the moon. The moon reflects the light. The sun has the inner light inside of him that's going to shine out. Remember when we looked at what is glory, the God of glory, the King of glory, the Lord of glory, that's a, that, that was his, who he is shining out, that Shekinah glory issue. His glory has resident in him, I'm sorry, his glorious body, has resident in him his glory. Just as in Ephesians 2, he says we're going to put on display the riches of his grace towards us. We're going to have inside of us, resident in us, his glory. And God has taken his glory and placed it inside of you and I. And when we're raptured up and when we're set up into the heavenly places out there, we will literally be shining forth his glory. We will literally be a physical presentation of his glory shining throughout the universe out there. We will put the brightest star to nothing but a nightlight status. So when you come back to Philippians 3, when he talks about that glorious body, he's talking about that kingdom glory that he was standing there as Peter, James, and John see him, and they see Moses, and they see Elijah, and it talks about his majesty. First Peter, Peter says, we were eyewitness of his majesty. We saw his kingdom glory. He was transfigured. Verse, 30, verse 21 now, Philippians 3, 21. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to. Now this is the catch for us. 
the glory of God shining out through us throughout all of the ages to come was according to, according to the measure, according to his plan, according to that glory plan to subdue all things unto himself. And again, the all things, Colossians 1, verse 16, that governmental structure out there, the principalities, the powers, the mights, the dominions, the thrones, the rulers, the every other name that's named. And how he wants to have all of that reconciled back unto himself. And what our new body does, what our body, our, our new cap, we'll have this new capability. We will be raised in such a manner that we'll be able to go out there and and subdue all things. I love that subdue all things. That's what he told Adam in Genesis 3. I'm sorry, Genesis 1. Adam, I want you to go out there and subdue all things. Have some work to do. You got some things to go and do. So when you're talking about working, so right now, 1 Corinthians, I lost my chalk. 1 Corinthians 5 says that the dead in Christ are sitting over here holding, they're waiting, they're in the presence of the Lord in the third heaven, they're waiting. When he comes back, he says, time's up. The shout, the voice, the trumpet, the Lord himself comes. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. They're going to come down, come back up, per Romans 6, that identity. They were sown in corruption. They're raised incorruptible. They're moving that way. And they're doing it so that we're able to subdue the heavenly places. So that we're able to go up and to take that heavenly place structure out there in the government. Now come back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and let's look now at verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Isn't that interesting? We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's some things that are going to happen here. First of all, go back to 1 Corinthians 15. Sorry. Let's talk about those of us that are alive for just a second. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be, <coughs> excuse me, changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we, the alive people, shall be what? Changed. What is that? For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So we're the second group up. We don't have any of this so thing. We just have to put on mortality. I'm sorry, immortality. Thank you. <laughs> I saw the look. Immortality. Isn't that interesting? Verse 53 is all he says about the living people. Those that are alive, we're going to be changed. Changed into what, by the way? That glorious body. 
we're going to move from being this in Adam to now being in the second Adam. We're going to move instantly. We're changed from here to there instantly. In the twinkling of an eye. In the moment, the twinkling of an eye. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. When that is done, when the resurrection is completed, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come back to 1 Thessalonians 4. We which are alive, now it's our time for the resurrection, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, we're not going to get all of it in the time we have left, but let's just get the beginning of the verse here. Caught up. That's where the term in the Latin, that term rapture, uh, it gets used is there. The, 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 the caught up, the transportation of a person from one place to another. It's to move from one place to another place. We're going to catch the, to be caught up. Now, to be caught up is to grab it, it's to reach out and to take it, but it's to do it quickly. It's to do it by force. Can you imagine, think about the space shuttles going to the moon. They have to break the grabs of gravity. God's going to do it with a snatch. He's going to break the, 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 the hold of gravity, the hold of the physics of creation, and he's going to do it, and it's like this thing is sitting there, and he's just going to go wham, and it's fast. And he's going to take it by force. That, that's what that word means. Come over with me to Matthew chapter 11. Let's just get this issue about catching up, and then we'll call it a morning, okay? And we'll do uh, another passage down. Uh, we'll look at the rest of the details in verse 17. This issue about being caught up, it's to, it's to grab it, it's to catch it, but it's to do it by force. And it's going to take a force to break the laws of gravity, just as it does for that ship, that spaceship to leave the and to break it and to have, you know, all of those gallons of fuel or whatever to break that. He's just going to do it with the shout, with the voice, with the He's just going to do it with the word. Come on, let's go. And up you go. Matthew 11. Matthew 11. The Greek word for this, the caught up there is... Harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O is how I spelled it out. It's hard, and it just simply means to, to snatch something, to take it. Matthew 11, verse 12. And the days of John, the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent, there's the word, take it by force. There's that Greek word, harpazo. Take it by force. Chapter 13 of Matthew. Just give you a few illustrations of this. Chapter 13 of Matthew. 13, 19. When one heareth the word of the kingdom, and another cometh in not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away 
that which was sown in his heart, that is he which received seed by the wayside. See that catching, take it, catching away? That's the idea. Come over to Acts chapter 23. Acts 23. You guys know me in Greek. We're, we're buddies, but I don't, I don't rely on it. But I need you to see this issue here just so you get the idea that when the Lord himself shall descend and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, that, that is a catching away. That's a snatch. And it's not a, here, just let me pick the tulips in the field gingerly. It's a rip them up. Rip them out of it. Acts 23. Acts 23, verse number 10. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled into pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them and to bring him in the castle. That's the idea right there, actually. The power and the authority of that captain, the Lord is going to have the same power, the same authority to come in and to snatch his body, of, his body away, to snatch it, to take it. Not a casual thing, not, not something that's just going to happen out there gingerly. It's something that's coming, it's going, to, it's going to be by design, it's going to be suddenly, it's going to be swift, it's going to be, it's going to be just instantaneously, and people are going to go, huh, what happened to him? Because literally, what's he going to do? He's going to change, if we which are alive and remain, if he chains our vile body, think about your body. Here we are, we're standing here this morning, we've got a few minutes left, and the rapture happens. The shout, the blow, the trump, the whole thing. What's going to be left in this room? Well, the lights will be left on, the computer will be left going, your clothes are going to be left here. You're going to be gone. Because what is he doing? Changing that vile body. He's moving it. There won't be blood left on here. There's a change. You know, people's a pile of, you know, your skin and all that. No. He takes our, boom, and physically re recomposites human a new species of humanity and pulls you out. Now, notice something with me here quick. Come over to Acts 8. You're in Acts. Notice in Acts 8, some, this issue about being caught up and moved have happened and has happened to people. So this isn't something new, okay? This isn't an odd idea. Acts 8, look at verse 39. You're dealing with Philip. Acts 8, 39. Philip has uh, he's talk, been talking to the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian has been up to Jerusalem. The Ethiopian, a type of the Gentile who's come to Jerusalem. He's come to Israel, ready to receive the light. Philip has already been to the Samaritan, a type there of the rest of Israel, ready to receive the light, but nothing in Jerusalem. No one is, none of Israel of, of the, is left in, is, in Jerusalem except for the 12. Philip is now done with dealing with the Ethiopian, as explained to him Isaiah 53. Verse 39, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch, notice, saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found as at Azertus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. 
Notice Philip. He was what? Caught up. He was in one spot down in the river, and now he's way over here, miles away, and, and, and on his way to Caesarea. Caught up. He was moved from one place to another. By the way, it's interesting there that the eunuch saw him no more. So not only there, it's, not only there did, does he move Philip, but he moved clothes and all of Philip. He didn't leave anything floating in the water. A complete move, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 12. Notice the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 1 to 4 here, this event corresponds, I believe, to Acts 14, where they pulled him out there of Lister and Derby and stoned him. Now, if you think about when they stoned him, he's laying right there in front of them. But notice in verse number 2, Paul says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one, what? Caught up to the third heaven. And then he says it again there in verse 4, how that he was caught up into paradise. Paul, he moved from earth to the third heaven. He was transported, if you will. He was caught up. Now his body laid in the gr underneath the stones there because they stoned him, left him for dead. But he was what? Up and then back. Okay? So, but what was he? He was transported from one place to another and then he came back. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. These guys are interesting here in Revelation 12. And uh, Revelation 12 and verse number 5. Revelation 12 verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now the man-child here is the 144,000. It's the believing remnant. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ, but what were they? What were they? They were caught up. They were moved from in peril's way on the earth up into the throne room. Come over to chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse number 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 140 and 4,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, as the voice of great thunder. As I heard the voice of harps harping with their harps, and they sang, they sung as it were a new song, notice, before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 140 and 4,000, which were, notice, redeemed from the earth, caught up. Now they are, John says, redeemed. Isn't that interesting? They are redeemed from the earth. That's very fascinating. So when you come back here to 1 Thessalonians 4, and time's up for the morning, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, first, we've got to deal with the dead in Christ go. Then he says, then we which are alive and remain. After the Lord himself comes, after the sounds, those sound noisemakers go, after the dead in Christ are raised up, then he snatches us, he redeems us, those that are alive and remain. 
We go up, by the way. That's the direction we're to be traveling, is up. We're headed to the heavenly places. We're headed to meet the Lord in the air. And again, this is the second heaven, okay? We're down here on the first heaven. We're going to meet him out there in the, ad, in the, in the atmosphere, all right? Now, one more thing, just real quickly. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, there are seven changes that happen to your body. You go from corruption to incorruption. You go from dishonor to glory. Okay? You go from weakness to power. You go natural to spiritual. Then you're going to move from the earthy to the heavenly. Then you're going to move from flesh and blood to a changed body completely, verse 50. And then you're going to have more, the mortal puts on the mort- immortality. Okay? And that's the seventh issue. Seven, the number of perfection. Okay? Now, we'll pick up in 417 there and catch the together, the reunion, and finish out the, the, the verse, hopefully. And then we'll go do some other stuff as well. Okay? Just remember, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when the, when the noisemakers are done, the dead in Christ come first. They've got the furthest to travel, if you will, but they have to put on, just as you and I are going to put on, they're going to put on. You and I, which are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up as well. And guess what we have to do? This is us that are alive, and we have to put on the new as well. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. Above all, Lord, we just thank you for the details given here in your word that we can have some assurity. We'll have a hope that anchors our soul to know that you will accomplish what you said you will accomplish and you'll do it and you'll do it the way you said you'll do it. And we have that confidence in your word. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in that. In your name we pray. Amen.